0: Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show
1: starts now. Welcome back to hour number two. Today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show here. I am Jeff Dean on this Tuesday morning every weekday here on ESPN Tucson and whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490 on the FM side at 104.9. If you've Decided to listen via the live stream. You can find on ESPN Tucson. We do appreciate it, and also we do have the podcast available as well. Every day, the podcast goes up. You can listen to that day's show at your leisure. You can find it on all the places you get podcasts: Amazon, Audible, uh, uh, Stitcher, Tune In, all the places you get. You get your uh, Apple uh, podcast. You can get it anywhere. So uh, look for it, Jeff Dean Show, ESPN Tucson, and we do appreciate you tuning in. I know that you've got a a choice of where you take your uh, take your ears to get your your uh, sports news and information and entertainment and we do appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean show here every weekday morning from 7 to 9 as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Now I was telling the story in the previous segment about my little interaction with David Hasselhoff. So I'm at the Las Vegas Bowl. I'm in the I'm in the media center eating eating some dinner before the game and uh, because I had I had I had been credentialed for the game because I was covering the game for a different news outlet, and then I had bought tickets. I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to buy tickets because I'm that guy. Like, I buy tickets. Like, I've had season tickets. Even though I'm in the PA deck and I don't actually get to sit and watch games for Arizona football, I have season tickets because I support the team. That's just what I do. I want to support the team. I do what I can. It's not, you know, a big donation. It's not a big amount of support, but I do, I do what I can. So I bought tickets to the game as well. Um and you know and, and sat in the uh, I guess it would be the south end zone I think it was the Arizona end zone anyway um so I'm up there so I'm eating dinner and I I hear hey uh, do you mind if, do you mind if I sit down is anybody sitting here and I say yeah go ahead no problem and I'm like looking through notes you know I've got I'm just eating dinner and I'm looking through the notes the media notes and stuff like that like oh okay interesting this is what Mike Stoops had to say at his press conference and yada 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 and it's David Hasselhoff. He's wearing his black leather jacket. Really tall guy. Sits down. Smells, you know, really nice. And uh, I was like, oh, hello, David Hasselhoff. How are you? You know, and so we start talking. And I find out that he's there to sing the national anthem. Now, in a turn of, of shocking news, like, this is David Hasselhoff, right? Like, you, you, everybody knows who this guy is. And whether you like him or not, most people understand David Hasselhoff to be kind of an arrogant blowhard, right? I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of his thing, like that's his shtick, I think is is what it is. I, the guy, what he told me, he's like he's like I got to be honest. He goes, I'm really nervous. I'm like, really? I go, you sing for a living. Like you, you're like you're huge in Germany. We joked about it and stuff. Uh, and he's like, he said, no, I'm, I'm I'm really nervous. He goes, I've never. He goes, I've I've sang the national anthem before. He goes, but the last time I did it, I stumbled over my words, and I'm really nervous. So I've been practicing, and you know my daughter's been listening to me stuff, and I had to send her videos of me singing it and stuff. He goes, I just, I just don't know. It's, it's going to be really cold out there. He goes, there's going to be a flyover. I just don't know if I'm going to be distracted. He was super nervous, which I was shocked. I'm like, this is David Hasselhoff, like the most confident guy in the world, arrogant, right? And um, so he's telling me how nervous he is, and I said, I go, I go, dude. I go, you're David Hasselhoff. I go, every fan, every Arizona fan that's going to be here is going to be cheering for you. Like, we had no idea that he was singing the national anthem, right? So as soon as I found this out, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be fun. Because Arizona fans had kind of rallied behind him that year because he was – he was he would make the Vine videos and the YouTube videos and stuff and he and his daughters and his daughter's friends are in the car and they're all dressed in their Arizona red and they're bare down and they're going to the game and they're they're going nuts and they're singing songs and he's in the he's in the student section, and he's at the games and he's cheering, and he's got his Arizona gear on, and he's all about the Wildcats and it was hilarious. And the fans like Arizona fans were like, David Haselhoff's one of us, yay And it's you know, fans just went fans in Arizona that year were just looking for for celebratory anything because the team had sucked for so long, right um coming out of the out of the quagmire, Mike Stoops gets a team eligible for the first time in ten years, and now we've got David hasselhoff so i'm like I'm like this dude's singing the national anthem like and i'm I'm beginning to wonder like I wonder if the BYU fans are prepared for what's about to happen, and sure enough i I mean. You know there was there was a lot of Arizona fans of that game. There was like I think the the announced attendance of that game was just over forty thousand. It was easily easily twenty five thousand to fifteen thousand Arizona to BYU. Easily that place was rocking, and and the PA announcer comes out and he's like, "Welcome to the you know Pioneer Las Vegas Bowl." Blah 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 blah. Brought to you this and that. The thirty fourth annual this and that between the BYU Cougars and the Arizona Wildcats. Here to sing the national anthem. Pop star and, you know, mega TV star David Hasselhoff. And there was a hush for like a split second, and then the entire sea of red just exploded. There was this roar from the red crowd, and people were going nuts. It was so loud. I've never heard an applause, a standing ovation, before the national anthem had started like I saw at that Las Vegas bowl and I'm standing there and I'm looking across the field at the people in blue, the BYU fans, and they're dumbfounded. They're like, what the hell is happening right now? What is, what just happened? <laughs> why, why do we feel like we're already behind the eight ball? The fans at Arizona are going absolutely berserk for the national anthem. You couldn't even hear Hasselhoff because the fans were going crazy. The flyover happens the flyover was so close to the field you could feel the heat from the jet engines it was it was so cool anyway so all this is going on arizona gets the ball um i think i think arizona had to punt on the first on the first series then they then byu goes 3 and out and arizona goes right down the field marches right down the field i think about like 84 yards i think on the drive and nick grigsby goes in for a 1 yard score and it's on like fans are going nuts now it's 7 0 Wildcats. BYU would eventually come back to take the lead 14-10 um, in the like early in the third quarter. And then Willie Tuatama hit DalaShawn De Dean with a big my is my brother from another mother. Uh De Dean with a big pass that put Arizona up in the game. And then my boy Chris Gronkowski got his big touchdown, his big claim to fame. I still give him still give him uh, props for that. Big touchdown from Chris Gronk. And uh, Arizona was up. The route was on, and then they tack on another one. Uh, Tui got another uh, rushing touchdown in that game, which you didn't see very often out of Tui. And uh, Arizona ended up routing BYU. Now BYU going into that game, they were they were ten and two going into that game. They were only three point favorites, which that was weird because Arizona had just barely qualified uh, for the uh, for the bowl game. You know BYU that year, just to kind of give you the landscape of what college football looked like that year. BYU was in the they were in the Mountain West. Now, the two teams above them in the Mountain West that year were Utah and TCU. Utah, that was the year that Kyle Whittingham took them into the Sugar Bowl. They were undefeated. They were 12-0, went into the Sugar Bowl as a team that was like, they don't belong to be here, they don't deserve this, yada, yada, yada. And then they blow Alabama's doors off in the Sugar Bowl. Alabama didn't want to be there. And Utah ended up with the number two ranked team in the country, 13-0. TCU that year. Gary Patterson uh the head coach it, Gary Patterson it's he's been there forever like people don't remember this like Gary Patterson took over that job in 2001 this is the 20th season at TCU uh TCU that year was really really good too those were the BYU's only losses they lost to Utah they got beat by I think by a touchdown or two uh to Utah in the uh in the ter- in the um in their you know uh rivalry game and then they I think they got their blow, their doors blown off by TCU that year, if I remember correctly. I think that game was close. But BYU had some really good wins that year. And, you know, they come into that bowl game, and I think everything was kind of even until the Hoff was announced as the as the anthem singer. And the Arizona crowd just went nuts and they never stopped. Like the the energy never stopped. It was it was the wildest scene. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. And then after the game, Coach Stoops gives the microphone to the players, which is never a good idea. (laughs) He gives the gives the PA mic to the players and they had some fun. You know, listen, I have a microphone in my hand every single night of the week. I know what it's like to be around people when they see a microphone. They're like, Can I say something in a microphone? And you're like, No. Because over the years you've learned you cannot say things and you cannot give people who are not accustomed to talking into a microphone, you cannot give those people a microphone. Mike Stoops, after he accepted the trophy for the Las Vegas Bowl and thanked the fans and talked about the team, handed the microphone to his players. And that was <laughs> that was uh, pure comedy. Pure comedy. What a year. What a fun game that was. But that was the last time that Arizona played BYU in Las Vegas. I hope the outcome is similar. Um, I don't think David Hasselhoff will be singing the national anthem this Saturday, however, at Allegiant Stadium. That's uh I think that ship has sailed. And I think, I don't know if fans would even embrace the, the Hoff like we did 13 years ago as a, as a member of our, of our fans, our group of fans, the Hoff. That was one of the weirdest, like one of the weirdest days ever, covering, a, you know, covering sports. Just sitting there, Hasselhoff sits next to me. You find out he's not this arrogant jerk that he professes to be on camera. He's scared to death to sing the national anthem. Like, don't worry about it, man. It's gonna be all right. People aren't gonna care what you sound like. <laughs> what a day! What a day! And and the the whole other part of it, it's freezing cold in the stadium. They just had that blizzard in Las Vegas. Crazy, crazy stuff. So uh, that's uh that's my little story, little history into Arizona's history against BYU in Las Vegas, and uh, look, hoping to repeat that again this Saturday. At Allegiant Stadium, as the Wildcats are going to be taken on. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting, I noticed yesterday the line moved in the game. Now, the line was originally set at eleven, just a straight eleven. Then, then Vegas put the hook on it, so it was eleven and five, eleven and a half. And then yesterday, the line moved pretty drastically to twelve and a half, which means they're trying to get people off of the BYU betting. There's a lot of people putting money on BYU. Now, this is still relatively early. In the process, in the in the in the gambling world, a week before the game is early. Fans think it's like, oh, we're, we got we got to get in this before it's too late. Sharps are like, I'm going to wait 24 hours before the game, and then we're going to start seeing. Then we're going to start putting our money where we think it it you know it's going to make us the, the best uh, uh, the best return on investment. And that's when you're going to see what the sharps are doing and kind of what the insiders are are doing in Vegas. And look, it, it's it's worth noting. It's it. What the Sharps are doing, anytime there's money involved, big money involved, it's always it's always something you want to look into. I'll be interested to see what that line looks like Friday afternoon when the Sharps are starting to put their money down on stuff. Where's it going to go? Because the game's being played in Vegas. It's going to get more action. It just That's the way it always happens. It, it always happens that way. Anytime there's a game in Vegas, those, those games just get more action because the Sharps are there, the players are in town, the teams are in town, it's you get a little more feel for what's going on. And the sharps are going to be getting that information and feeling that you know feeling that process out. And I think what you see on Friday, what the line movement's gonna be Friday, you know, Friday afternoon, Friday night, and what it ends up as Saturday morning, I think will tell you a lot about what the Sharps are feeling about this game and the information that they have. And again, it's always good to follow the money. Follow the money. It's what I always say. Uh, I think that line will start to return closer to a 10 and point line by kickoff. I just feel like 12 and is too much. I know that, that Arizona is picked to finish dead last in, in the conference. There's some jokes out there about ESPN picking them to win one game this year. Uh, I saw yesterday there was some metric that gave Arizona a 0.0% chance of winning the South. Like how, do you, like, how do you give team a 0% chance? Are they not playing the games? How do you give a team a 0.0% chance? Like, that's, first of all, it's mathematically impossible if the team's are going to play the games. You don't know. No computer can predict that Arizona's going to lose every single game this year. Like, you just, there has to be a 0.1% chance, right? 0.0? I mean, why even go out there and play at that point? So, uh, look. There's a lot of disrespect being put on Arizona's name this year on this football program, and rightfully so. Twelve-game losing streak, embarrassing loss to finish the COVID year. This is you know breaking in a new, uh, new head coach. So look, all the recipe is there for all these soothsayers, all these predictors to put their uh, you know put their you know their, their numbers out there and say one win, zero wins, blah blah blah, no chance. Zero chance, zero percent chance to win, yada yada yada. Lines going up, people are putting money on, on BYU. Vegas is trying to get people off BYU trying to trying to offset the betting a little bit. Okay, because remember, B, uh, Vegas is not if if you haven't heard me say this, this is everybody needs to learn this. Vegas is not in the position, they're, they're not in the business of predicting football games. They're in the business of making money. They're going to set betting lines. That are going to make them the best money they have people in this business that's all they do they eat sleep crap all everything about betting lines how to make money how to make sure that they're reading the tea leaves properly and getting more money out of people they set lines to make money so they move lines to get people to spend more money in the opposite direction so that it's not a landslide payout in one direction or the other they try to keep things as even as possible and make their money off of the idiots out there who make these ridiculous bets. So we're gonna see we're gonna see that line move. The Sharps are gonna get that line moved back to somewhere a little more comfortable. Not that I care, because I unless I'm putting money down on it, I don't care what the line is. I'll care on Sunday morning or Monday morning when I'm saying that Arizona was an eleven point dog and won the football game. I'll care then. The disrespect, you know, put on Arizona about being a double-digit dog, and ended up winning the game. That's you know I'll, I'll 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 use it in that aspect, but for me it doesn't mean that BYU is an 11 points better team. I just you have, to, you have to remember that Vegas is in the the business of making money, not predicting games. So if you remember that, you'll be fine. NFL Cover Two, covering all the latest NFL news every weekday with Spears and Ali from 3 to 6 p.m. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. When we return, NFL news and notes, more player cutdowns, and uh, teams are getting closer to that 53-man roster as it's required today by 1 o'clock. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Well, if you're just joining us and you haven't uh, heard the news, Cam Newton has been released by the New England Patriots, given his outright release cut from the team. Now, there's speculation, of course, that him being non-vaccinated was the main reason behind all this that if Mac Jones actually did win that quarterback competition, like if he just won it straight up, regardless of COVID protocols, vaccination protocols, all that, that that if if Cam Newton, you know, really did lose out that job uh, to Mac Jones, then why would Bill Belichick want to keep a non-vaccinated backup quarterback? That's that's one thought because you know that's the most volatile room. In, you know, on the whole team, if you have a non-vaccinated quarterback in that quarterback room and he goes into protocol, then your other quarterbacks go into protocol. And then now you're, you're in you're in uh, real trouble of having to forfeit that game. Right. So um, that will be that's an interesting that's an interesting thought. It's certainly a warranted uh, opinion and a warranted thought and a reason why you would cut Cam Newton. I just genuinely feel that Bill Belichick doesn't have time for nonsense, that if you don't want to be if you're supposed to be a leader on the football team as a quarterback. You're a veteran quarterback, you're brought there to lead. If you're trying to lead from a position of I'm not going to be vaccinated, I'm gonna put my team at risk, not putting my teammates at risk, I'm putting my team at risk by being put into COVID protocol as a non-vaccinated player. Potentially creating a uh, competitive disadvantage for my team, then you're not being a leader, and that Bill Belichick doesn't have time for that. So Cam Newton has been cut. It'll be interesting to see what, where he ends up. News just coming across that the Cowboys are going to give him a look. I'm not surprised. The Cowboys were asked just a few moments ago about Cam Newton. They said they will do their due diligence into all of the free agents and people that are being released today, yada, yada, yada. Other Patriots news, uh, Pro Bowl cornerback Stephon Gilmore has been put on the PUP list because he's recovering from uh, quad surgery. So he's going to miss the first six games of the season. So that's a big blow for the uh, the England Patriots defense as well, as obviously Stephon Gilmore, one of the best in the business at that position. So he's going to start the season on the PUP list. Um, the Saints have released former Pro Bowl running back Devontae Freeman. Now Freeman has not been his former self. Obviously, a very good, a uh, very good running back in his time with the Falcons for this, you know, for five years there. He went to two Pro Bowls. Very good player, quick twitch type player. Uh, <clears throat> you know, filled the void uh, in New York left behind by Saquon Barkley for a few games last year, but he has been struggling in his preseason games with the, uh, with the New Orleans Saints, and the New Orleans Saints have released Devontae Freeman. So if you're looking for, if a team is looking for a running back, Devontae Freeman is out there on the market right now. Uh, the Broncos have made a trade with the Detroit Lions and also with the San Francisco 49ers. They made two trades this morning. They sent wide receiver Trinity Benson to the Detroit Lions for two draft picks. And they acquired linebacker Jonas Griffith from the 49ers for a 6th and a 7th round pick. So, Broncos fans, your team making some moves this morning as well. And we'll continue to uh, keep a close eye on all the news and cut downs that are happening in, in the NFL. As in four and a half hours, teams have got to be to their 53. And we'll have a really good idea of what the depth chart looks like. And look, there's going to be some players out there making some moves. There's going to be I, – I believe there's going to be some more trades. There always are a lot of trades on cut week like this, and we're seeing that already. There's already been three trades this morning. There were two trades yesterday. We're going to continue to see that. I don't know if we're going to see any big-name players. The only big-name player that's out there that could be involved in a trade is Deshaun Watson. We're still waiting to see what happens there. There's been some heat around the Miami Dolphins regarding Deshaun Watson. Thoughts that maybe they will be looking into, into him, that they're – not satisfied with Tua. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's Miami believes that they've got a, you know, they've got a contender, and I believe they do too. I think, and maybe like they do feel in Miami that one of the things holding them back right now is the quarterback position. Does Deshaun Watson and all the distraction he brings, does that, does that create, you know, a, an issue for the Miami Dolphins, or would that be a boost for them? Would they be considered now? a a true Super Bowl contender if Deshaun Watson is their quarterback. I mean, bring him in right now. You're looking at spending the first three to four weeks just acclimating him to the team, to the playbook, to the offense, to everything that's going on in that organization, not to mention all of the legal stuff hanging over his head right now could come crashing down at any moment, and he could be unavailable to your team. So huge risk if you're a team like the Miami Dolphins to send what the Texans want in exchange for for Deshaun Watson, which is three firsts and some other picks as well, and or players. So, you know, there's there's been some been some rumors, been some heat around the, uh, the around the Dolphins that maybe they are looking to make that trade and pull the trigger for Deshaun Watson. We'll keep a close eye on that, of course, as well as anything else that comes about. Now, it was mentioned yesterday, last night, that Cardinals cornerback Malcolm Butler was going to be mulling retirement. Something something happened. I don't know, some kind of a, a personal issue all of a sudden came up. And because of this personal situation that he's dealing with that he's mulling retirement, which would be a huge blow for the Cardinals. He's their he's their CB2 and they would be they're already pretty thin at corner. They you know, they're not real not real happy with the back end of their secondary there. So it would be interesting to see if he does retire, what the Cardinals are going to do, or what they do ahead of uh, ahead of his retirement, maybe you know they have discussions with him today. Who knows? I know that Jimmy Moreland, cornerback for the Washington Football Team, was released this morning. He's a guy you could look at. He was a guy that was kind of expected to be an impact player for the Washington Football Team this year. Former seventh-round pick, I think James Madison is a kind of a, a hometown boy there, and uh, in in the you know in that area. And uh, so Jimmy Moreland was released this morning by Washington. Now, that's not saying that he's a bad player. Washington's got an incredible defense, and their secondary is excellent. So maybe a guy like Jimmy Moreland finds his way onto the Cardinals, recently released from the Washington football team. We will continue to wait and see. But we're going to uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. And in Dallas, Dallas has their backup quarterback. We mentioned that they were already asked about Cam Newton. They said they're going to do their due diligence into investigating what could be, uh, you know, A a trip to Dallas for Cam Newton, but they have uh, they have cut two of their quarterbacks, as Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci have been released from the Dallas Cowboys, and they have settled on Cooper Rush as their backup quarterback, who was the backup for a couple years there for Dak, and um, yeah, he was there from 2017 to 2019. So, Garrett Gilbert, who did not get along with Dak Prescott, and Ben DiNucci, who just didn't get along with the offense. because he was not very good at all. If you watched uh, Hard Knocks, you can see just how much he struggled. Or just watch the games, you can tell how much he struggled. He was just not good at all, period. So both Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci have been released by the Cowboys. Cowboys quarterback room as it stands right now is Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. And maybe, just maybe, you never know, Cam Newton coming to Dallas soon. We'll find out. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, I have some thoughts on the Javi Baez thumbs-down issue. And, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday. We were extremely busy yesterday talking about other stuff. But uh, I do have some opinions on that. We'll talk that in some Major League Baseball coming up uh, in just – well, coming up after the break we'll be talking about that. A star is born on ESPN Tucson. Tucson and Appliance is looking for the next big radio star. We need your help. Fan voting is available now. Just go to ESPNTucson.com. You can vote now. You can vote daily for the contestants. Now, you can vote. uh, Watch the videos there. There's several of them up there. We're going to try to narrow it down to 10 by next Tuesday, Tuesday, September 7th. And then on that date, from there on, you'll be able to vote for the grand prize winner. Now, the grand prize winner is going to win a weekly phone segment as a guest on the Spears and Ali show to talk sports with them or um, uh, whatever else they talk about, fashion and, and singing and Uh, centaurs and i don't know what else they talk about on that show but uh, they do talk some sports from time to time and uh, if you're interested in getting in on voting or just checking to see what kind of talent is out there in the city of tucson go to espntucson.com today get your vote on you can vote once per day and uh, be there to support your friends your buddies if they're uh, one of the contestants that are in on the contest as well A star is born on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Tucson Appliance, only at Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. More from the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson.
0: Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: So if you're the New York Mets, what do you do? The owner just called out the players a couple of weeks ago basically saying that it's embarrassing that these guys are being called professionals and being paid the money that we're paying them to go out there and put up batting averages and OPSs like they do. The fans respond in kind by booing the players when they strike out because things have gotten really bad in New York. They've been playing really bad baseball. They were eight games above .500, uh, had made some moves during during the, the trade deadline and have completely just gone in the tank since. And one of these new players, Javier Baez, of course acquired from the uh, the Chicago Cubs, decided to take matters into his own hands and tell the fans what he thought of them after hitting a home run by giving them a double thumbs down. Look, (laughs) I don't care what type of thing the fans say to you. You are a professional athlete, a professional athlete getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. And I know people hate hearing that, but that's true. Getting paid millions of dollars to play a a game. And yes, the fans are going to offer their opinions as to how well or how bad you're playing the game. Fans will cheer you when you're doing well. They will boo you when you're not doing well, especially in the city of New York. If you can't handle it, then either two things. You have two options. Get better at your job. Or leave your job. The small-minded, and I mean small-minded and soft, I mean charmin' soft reaction from Javi Baez and other teammates Francisco Lindor and Kevin Pillar is absolutely ridiculous. It's, 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 it's just like what? What does that possibly do for your career? What does that? you are going to be known as the player who gave his thumb who booed the fans essentially look you can talk about the fans in in a in, you know in a press conference you be like yeah you know the fans are really on me today i don't feel like i deserved it i'm out there we're trying hard every single day there's a, you know another pitcher that's being paid millions of dollars to to get me out it's a battle every day and it's it's a it's a game where if you succeed 30% of the time you're going to be a hall of famer okay you can take that approach or you can do what these charm and soft, small-minded, pitiful little players did and offer a thumbs-down to the fans as a retort to their taunting or their booing of you when you don't do well. So after a base hit or after a home run, you're going to show the fans that you don't appreciate their cheers by giving them a thumbs-down? Like... What, what, what are you trying to accomplish with this? Javi Baez says, quote, it feels bad when I strike out and I get booed. Don't strike out. It doesn't, he, goes, he goes, it doesn't really get to me, but I want to let them know that when we're successful, we're going to do the same thing, to let them know how it feels. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. You're going to let the fans know how it feels by giving them a thumbs down. Why don't you give the fans a thumbs down when you strike out? Like, hey, uh, you know, you guys are supposed to be lifting me up. Like, hey, you'll get them next time, Javi, you know, yada, yada. Instead of instead of giving them a thumbs down after a base hit. Then he says this, if we win together, then we got to lose together. Excuse me? Now the fans are helping you win and lose games? Ha, <laughs> No, 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 no. In fact, I did, uh, I did a, an extensive research on this, a research project, project on this just a few years ago. I took the last 25 years of professional sports, okay, and I, the major four, NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, because I wanted to see which league has actually the best home field advantage. Where do the home teams get the best advantage? Which league does it occur in? And then it went even further, which teams and all this other stuff now you would think that baseball would be number 1 on that list you would think that because ballparks are catered certain ways you know every ballpark is unique teams can tater, cater their teams to the type of ballpark we've seen that before with some of the more extreme ballparks teams to just really uh cater their their roster to the type of 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 ballpark they play and they play 81 home games in okay you would think that that's that's part of the case also it's the only sport in which the home team gets a last chance to win the game like, could you imagine if in the NFL, if the if you know, if you're if, if the Cardinals are playing a home game against the 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 Rams, and the Cardinals are down twenty to seventeen when time expires, they get the ball again? Could you imagine that? <laughs> like, nope, here you go. You get one more drive to try to tie or win the game. Holy smokes, that would change the outcome of games, wouldn't it? But it doesn't do it in baseball. You'd be shocked to find out just how little of an effect home field advantage has in Major League Baseball. In fact, of the four major sports, Major League Baseball has the worst home field advantage. Believe it or not, home winning percentage is the lowest in Major League Baseball than it is for the other four sports, the other three sports. Number one is basketball. Like, it's, it's kind of the most neutral of all of them, Right. Because even in hockey, even though you have the same amount of players on the, you know, on the, on the ice at a the time, the ice is very different in different uh, you know, buildings and stuff. I mean, there, there's been plenty of times where players have complained about the ice and stuff like that, and other players are like, we're used to playing on this sludgy ice. Uh, you know, we play 41 home games on it every year. We're used to it. We have an, it gives us an advantage, blah, 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 blah. There are little advantage In basketball, yeah, certain courts have springboards you know about and things like that, but really I think it's the most neutral of, of the four. But do you know why it has such an effect? And, and this this was this was the opinion that I had. Okay. The more separated the fans are from the game, the least effect that it has on the home outcome. Basketball fans are right on top of the floor. They're right, they're sitting on the court, right? They're as close as you can get. Ironically, or I shouldn't say ironically, but consequently, NBA has the highest Home court advantage, the highest home winning percentage in the major sports over the last 25 years. I believe it's because fans impact the game just enough with their proximity to the players that they can do this. Now, in baseball, you can say fans are right there. Fans are right above the dugout. They're right next to the to the to the um, you know to the on deck circle. They're right next to the bullpen. Fans can affect the games. However, it's different in baseball because fans, in fact, most of the time, are not even paying attention to the damn game. Okay, they're on their phones. They're looking at this. They're looking at the scoreboard. They're not. They're not involved. It's it's a it's a different kind of game. It's a it's a game that you cheer as soon as something happens. You're not ongoingly cheering, for the most part, unless it's the bottom of the ninth. Your pitcher's got two strikes on the final hitter of the game. Then fans get up and there's standing ovation. They're waiting for that third strike. Yada yada. So for Javi Bias to say, if we win together, then we got to lose together. First of all, dude, you would probably be the first person who gets mad at a fan for saying we when talking about the New York Mets or whatever team you're playing on. We did this. We, oh, you're part of the team now? He said if we win together, then we got to lose together. So the fans now have to take on the brunt of the players' inefficiencies on the field, right? Is that, is that how this works? According to these players in the New York Mets organization, what a dumpster fire. I mean, what an absolute ridiculous amount of, of, I don't even know how to describe this. Like, what what is this mental the mentality that people have right now? Boo me, I'm going to put my finger down and give you the thumbs down. What kind of childish finger-pointing era are we living in, full of charming, soft athletes who can't handle being booed by fans? Give me a break. You should be you should be more upset at your owner for coming out. Steve Cohen, the owner of the team, said, "quote It's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive." <laughs> the owner of your team, the guy signing your checks, said, "I can't believe how bad these guys suck," in a tweet. And you want to you want to give the fans a thumbs down? The, it's the fans' problem. We got to lose together. The fans got to lose with us. Shut up, man. Sandy Alderson, the president of the the Mets, tweeted out a lengthy statement. Uh, I said in a post-game press conference today, Javi Baez stated that his thumbs-down gesture during the game was a message to fans who recently have booed him and other players for their poor performance. These comments and any gestures by him or other players with a similar intent are totally unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Mets fans are understandably frustrated over the team's recent performance. The players and the organization are equally frustrated, but fans at Citi Field have every right to express their own disappointment. Booing is every fan's right. The Mets will not tolerate any player gesture that is unprofessional in its meaning or is directed in a negative way toward our fans. I'll be meeting with our players and staff to convey this message directly. Sandy Alderson has, has had his... Go with the fans there, of course, in in New York. Love or hate him, but this is the proper statement to make as the president of the baseball team that is currently in the middle of this dumpster fire that is these three players who have just shown that they, quite frankly, they can't hack it. They're not getting it done on the field. The team is losing games. The fans are booing them, and they're retaliating with thumbs down. Oh, no, not a thumbs down. Oh, no, Javi Baez give me a thumbs down. You know what that's going to do? You just poured gasoline all over that fire. Those fans are going to be so revved up for that next home game to boo your sorry ass. That is the way it's going to happen the rest of this season. They'd be better off not playing that fool the rest of the year and then cutting him in the offseason. Bye. Don't need you. Don't want you. Don't want your sorry Charmin attitude around here and take Lindor and Pilar with you. Be gone. We got no room for softies in this building. You play in New York City, you want to live in New York City, you got to deal with it. That's the way the fans are. Go move out west where the fans are Charmin soft too because we are (laughs) Charmin soft out here. Fantasy Sports in Arizona just got a huge upgrade because you can now play for millions of dollars. And I do mean millions of dollars in prizes on FanDuel. And to celebrate, all new customers are going to get a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500. That's right, a 20% bonus. Be sure to sign up with the promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, and you can start playing with a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500. There's tons of daily contests to choose from. There's free-to-play games, salary cap contests, snake drafts, so much more. And when you win, you get paid in as few as 24 hours. Download the FanDuel Fantasy app today. You can start drafting your lineup. You can start doing Thursday college games, Saturday college games. You can start getting in uh, getting in on that NFL action here real soon. Daily fantasy contests, and some of them are worth a million dollars for one day of fantasy, million bucks. And you can get your 20% bonus today by signing up with the promo code DEAN. That's D-E-A-N. Just go to the FanDuel Fantasy app, sign up. You're going to start with a 20% bonus on your first deposit, which is awesome. Exclusively on the FanDuel Fantasy app with the promo code DEAN. Age and location restrictions apply. Void row prohibited. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable site credit that expires seven days after receipt. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson.
0: More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN
1: Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Stay tuned. Uh, 3 o'clock today, 3 to 6. Spears and Ali doing their thing. And then uh, coming up tonight at uh, 6 p.m. Immediately following Spears and Ali, coverage of the D-backs and San Diego Padres. Coverage starts at 6 o'clock. First pitch is at 6.40. We'll have that right right here for you as uh, Tucson's home for D-backs baseball. Also coming up Thursday night. NAU as your uh, your home for NAU football. Their season kicks off. They're going to be taking on Houston State. That game is Thursday night. Uh, that game will kick off at five p.m. The uh, Spears and Ali show will be preempted that day at five o'clock. So uh, that'll happen on on Thursday. But tonight, six o'clock for D backs coverage immediately following Spears and Ali. Now, there are certain things I really don't talk about on the show. I don't. T- I won't be talking a whole lot of soccer. I don't. I don't watch soccer, I don't pay attention to soccer, I don't cover soccer, I will not be covering, I will not be talking a whole lot of soccer. I also will not be talking a whole lot of golf. And one thing I most certainly will not be talking about is tennis. And I will talk about tennis today, and then tell you the reasons why I do not talk about tennis on my radio show, because of separate incidents like this. Former U.S. champion Andy Murray was fuming toward the end of his first round loss yesterday, to Stephanos Tsitsipis because of a medical timeout that the, uh, that the other tennis player took, that uh, Sissippus took. I can't pronounce it. Tsitsipis? Tsitsipis. He took a medical timeout after losing the third set to Murray to have trainers look at a foot injury. Okay? Then, immediately after, he took a bathroom break, which clocked in at eight minutes. Andy Murray lost his stuff, lost his mind. Was freaking out up at the talking to the the uh, the chair, um, the chair referee, the chair umpire. He's screaming. He's like, he's been in there twenty minutes. Why, why, why is this taking so long? You're gonna allow this to happen? And the umpire was like, he's been in there five minutes. Just chill, you know. Calm yourself, there, Andy. He's been there twenty minutes. The guy's taking a crap. <laughs> Let him. It's a long match. Let him go. Now apparently. There's been a problem with Sitsippus in the past taking his phone into the bathroom, okay they made sure that they took care of that apparently and uh they made sure they didn't have his phone with him so he could text his his coach or his dad or something I don't remember what it was that they found him doing He returned eight minutes later from using the bathroom and they continued but andy uh Andy Murray really wouldn't shake his hand after the match and it was just it was a joke like it's like. He's mad because the guy had to take a bathroom break in the middle of a three-hour tennis, tennis match. It happens. Then in another news yesterday also, why did, this, is, this is another reason why I don't cover tennis. The names of these people. Nick Kruzios lasted only three sets in the uh, U.S. Open, but that was t- plenty of time for him to complain. He was complaining about a towel, like where his towel was placed. He likes to throw his towel to the side because of COVID, uh, you know, rules and protocols. He cannot just throw his towel to the side there. He has to walk it over to a specific place on the court. Everybody has to follow the same rules. He decided to have an expletive-filled tirade directed at uh, at the umpire about a stupid towel. And then he went off and started talking about, Are the 20-minute bathroom breaks, is that a part of the game? Just started going on a tirade, all because he didn't walk his towel an extra 15 feet to the side to put it in the the space that is provided for all the players at the U.S. Open to drop their towels to. Everybody else has to follow the same rules. This guy wanted to throw a fit, an absolute toddler-sized fit, about his stupid towel. He didn't want to walk it an extra 15 feet over into the corner to put it in the proper receptacle. This is why I don't talk tennis, folks. Speaking of Charmin Soft, good Lord. People complaining about another guy taking a bathroom break and another guy complaining about having to walk his towel an extra 15 feet to a corner. Why I don't talk tennis. And I won't be talking tennis. Probably ever again, thankfully. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Covered a lot of stuff today. Had some fun today. Be sure to check out the uh, the podcast if you weren't able to catch the whole show. It'll be uploaded here in a couple of hours at ESPNTucson.com. Thanks to Mary. She returned from her vacation. Good to have her back, pushing all the buttons back there in the studio, keeping us on the air. Don't forget to stay tuned for Spears and League today at 3 o'clock, and we'll see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD for Tucson.